This is the mop-up for August 25th, 2023. I'm David Feldman. While uh, boarding the flight out of... uh, While boarding the flight out of Newark to Atlanta Thursday night, Donald Trump must have been wondering, is Putin as angry with me as he was with his chef? Apparently not. The plane landed safely. He did not meet the same fate as Evgeny Prigozhin, who ran the Wagner Group, which means Putin still finds Donald Trump useful. But for how long? You are looking at Fulton County inmate number P0113809, also known as the 45th president of the United States. That is Donald Trump under arrest. This is his mugshot released by George's Fulton County Jail late Thursday evening. Donald J. Trump arrested. Donald Trump left his Bedminster, New Jersey golf course for New Jersey's Newark International Airport, boarded his plane at 6.40 p.m. Thursday for a flight to Georgia. Before the plane had taken off, Trump announced that he had fired Drew Feindling, his lead attorney in the Georgia case, and replaced him with famed Atlanta defense attorney Steve Sato, a prominent liberal Democrat known for representing high-profile rap artists and sports figures. Sato's two children work in Fulton County as public defenders, so they will probably get to meet Rudy Giuliani because he needs a public defender. Trump was indicted a week ago Monday by the Georgia district attorney on racketeering charges, accusing him of interfering with the 2020 presidential election using threats, lies and intimidation. We begin this morning with his mugshot. Never in American history has a former president been arrested four times, let alone once. The mugshot takes this to a whole other level because optics are important. Trump didn't want the mugshot. Some of his supporters obviously will see it as a badge of honor, but too many will see it as a sign of weakness. Maybe the mugshot will help him get the Republican nomination, but in the general election, that mugshot even if he is somehow able to delay these four criminal trials until after the election, that mugshot will convince just enough Republicans to stay home in November. You know, Biden won in 2020. He won by about 7 million votes. Trump can't afford to have his supporters stay home. This mugshot hurts him, and he knows that. There are reports this morning that Trump was infuriated that his attorney, the one he fired on Thursday, he was infuriated that his attorney was unable to negotiate away the mugshot. And that's why he fired his attorney. There are reports that Trump was adamant that his mugshot not be taken. But apparently Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis was also adamant. And she said Trump would be treated no differently than anybody else arrested inside the Fulton County Jail. It gets more interesting. Trump's bond was set at $200,000. The bond was secured through a bonding company in Georgia called Foster Bail Bonds. 
CNN is reporting this morning that Trump only gave them $20,000 as a down payment on the $200,000 bond. Now, he raised hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars through his Save America Super PAC. And yet he couldn't even post the full $200,000 for the bond. He gave the bond company a 10% down payment. Well, while the mugshot was non-negotiable, he apparently received the requisite medical checkup based on the honor system. Instead of being forced to step on a scale, for example, he was asked for his weight. Trump lied and said 215 pounds. That's what he said. 215. That's the weight of his morning dump. He said his height was 6'2". Right. So, you know, he used to get Dr. Ronnie Jackson to, to make him sound taller than he actually was so he wouldn't come across as obese. But according to Donald Trump, he's lost 30 pounds since he's been in the White House. You can't stop lying. It's just pathological. He, they asked him what color his hair was. <laughs> And he said, what color is my hair? The, the hair I got on me now or the hair I'm going to put on on the flight home? He said his hair was strawberry blonde. Trump then scowled for his mugshot and he is not happy. This is the worst day of his life. The worst day of his life and one of the best days in America. You got to got to savor the victories. And this was a bad day for Donald Trump. A good day for America. He's not happy. He is miserable. He entered the Fulton County Jail through the rear and he didn't want to be seen. So he went into the jail through the rear. The question is, could it be that he has finally begun to grasp the gravity of these charges? There are now reports this morning that Donald Trump has transferred ownership of the crown jewel Mar-a-Lago. He's transferred ownership of Mar-a-Lago into a shell corporation run by his idiot son, Don, Donald Trump Jr. If this is true, it's huge. He's beginning to hide assets. According to reporting in the Daily Express, on August 4th of this year, that would be, what, 21 days ago? Right after the second tranche of indictments came down from the special counsel, Jack Smith, and in anticipation of the indictments to be handed down in Georgia, Donald Trump transferred ownership of Mar-a-Lago into a corporation run by Don Jr., Zillow lists the property, Mar-a-Lago, as sold for nearly half a billion dollars on August 4th. Well, Trump's wife, Melania, once again was not by his side for his arrest, nor were any of his idiot children. Trump posted his mugshot. He did. He posted his mugshot on his social media site, Truth Social, with the caption that read, Never Surrender. Never surrender? Really? You just did. You just surrendered to the Fulton County Sheriff. On his truth social account, Trump acknowledged that, yes, 
I was arrested. Okay? Trump entered the jail as his supporters chanted, lock Fonny up. A reference to Fonny Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney who indicted him. Back in Washington, Jim Jordan, the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, announced that he will launch an investigation into Fonny Willis. Jordan today sent a letter to Willis demanding to know if she has coordinated in any way with special counsel Jack Smith, who works for the federal government. He, uh, Jordan wants to know if Fonny Willis is using any federal dollars to investigate Donald Trump. If so, says Jordan, he can then claim the trial in Georgia falls under his committee's jurisdiction. Jordan, of course, a big proponent of states' rights, unless he's not. Jordan, by the way, I never mentioned this before. Uh, I forgot to tell you that Jim Jordan attended law school. But unlike Fonnie Willis, who also went to law school, Jim Jordan was unable to pass the bar exam. Did I ever tell you that Jim Jordan couldn't pass the bar exam? And yet he's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. And we know that Fonnie Willis and her father both passed the the bar exam and were able to practice law. But Jim Jordan, did I ever tell you that he failed the bar exam? Speaking of failures, Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene was among the protesters standing outside the jail to cheer Trump on. She was joined by right-wing failed congressional candidate Laura Loomer. And if you don't know who Laura Loomer is, consider yourself blessed. As Trump's motorcade arrived, his supporters began singing, God bless America. See, that was the same exact song I was singing as his motorcade arrived. We can find common ground. God bless America. They're locking up Trump. This was one of the signs that greeted Trump as he arrived. It reads, Trump... 1776 to 2024 or death, Trump or death. This is uh, the new slogan among his diehard, literally diehard supporters, Trump or death. Uh, how about death? I choose death. Not for me. The total time Trump spent inside the jail was roughly 20 minutes before boarding his jet back to New Jersey, Trump told reporters that all four criminal indictments are an example of election interference. He said prosecutors are trying to essentially lock him up so he can't get elected again. He called it a travesty of justice. He then insisted, quote, we have every single right to challenge an election that we think is dishonest. Yes, you do. But you have no right to lie, intimidate, strong arm witnesses or incite an insurrection. As I just said, Melania, nor any of his children, flew with him. On board the flight was Walt Nauta, his valet, who has been indicted along with Trump in special counsel Jack Smith's criminal trial down in Miami, charging the two men with mishandling classified documents and trying to hide them from the FBI. That's the trial where Trump is accused of... <laughs> 
violating the Espionage Act. Donald Trump is on trial for violating the Espionage Act. Susie Wiles also made the flight down to uh, Atlanta and then back to New Jersey. Susie Wiles was forced to testify before Jack Smith's grand jury investigating the mishandling of classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. Now, if you remember, we played the audio tape. If you remember the audio tape of Donald Trump showing, waving classified war plans with Iran to visitors, one of the voices heard in the background is Susie Wilds, who actually gets Donald Trump to say on tape that these war plans are still classified and that he never declassified them and it's too late. It's on tape. Susie Wiles got that out of him. So he's keeping Walt Nauta and Susie Wiles close to him. They were on the flight back and forth. I wonder why he's keeping them so close. Trump has now been arrested four times in nearly six months. Now, I, I, I get it. A lot of my listeners are complaining that I say he's been arrested. They, they insist you're not arrested in, unless you spend the night in jail. Well, no, Trump has been arrested four times. When you are fingerprinted inside any jail, forced to post bond, forced to pose for a mugshot and then anticipate a court date, that is an arrest. And like I said earlier, Trump on Truth Social wrote arrested. He was arrested. He's been arrested four times now. He better not be driving around with a busted taillight. They're going to bring him in. As part of his counter-programming against Fox News' Republican debate Wednesday night, Trump appeared on Tucker Carlson's Twitter show. Watch what happens when Tucker asks Trump whether sex offender Jeffrey Epstein really committed suicide or was it something else? Watch Trump's answer as it dawns on him that the walls are slowly closing in on him and he's about to share the same fate as another convicted sex offender, Jeffrey Epstein. Do you think it's possible that Epstein was killed? Oh, sure. It's possible. I, I mean, I don't really believe I think he probably uh, committed suicide. He had a life with, you know, beautiful homes and beautiful everything. And he uh, all of a sudden he's incarcerated and not doing very well. <laughs> he had a beautiful home, beautiful everything. And then suddenly he's incarcerated, not doing very well. Ooh. Hmm. Who does that sound like? It sounds like me, another sex offender. It's dawning on him that just like Jeffrey Epstein, he had a beautiful home. He gave it to his idiot kid, Don Jr. Beautiful everything. And now suddenly he's incarcerated, just like Jeffrey Epstein. By the way, just like Jeffrey Epstein, Donald Trump is a rapist. Judge Kaplan, who presided over the E. Jean Carroll defamation case, has said twice, twice, Judge Kaplan has said in the civil trial, Trump was found guilty of raping E. Jean Carroll. He is a rapist. And yet nobody, nobody asks the other candidates about that. We know he's a rapist. Wasn't brought up at the debate Wednesday night. Well, 
If you're a longtime listener to this show, then you know I'm an idiot, which means I should be on Trump's legal team. You might remember earlier this month, I came up with an ironclad defense for Trump. It was so stupid, so ignorant, I figured, how can he not hire me? I pointed out that late last year in 2022, President Biden signed into law a bill that clarifies the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Okay, in this bill, it was passed, I think it was passed in December of 2022, and it bipartisan. Republicans, Democrats, they all signed on to this. The law specifies that when Congress certifies the Electoral College every four years on January 6th, the job of the vice president is purely ceremonial and that he has no responsibilities other than to count the ballots. He cannot decide to reject any slate of electors or call for a postponement of the count. The bill was passed, we were told, because the Electoral Count Act of 1887 was a dreadfully ambiguous bill and left room for holes, holes for someone like Donald Trump or Eastman or Cheesebro to walk right through. So I said on this show, they passed this bill in November of 2022. That's dispositive proof right there that Donald Trump and his lawyers can claim they were well within their rights to draft a legal argument claiming that Mike Pence could stop the count. As I was auditioning to be on Trump's legal team, I said if Pence didn't have the right to stop the count, then why was it necessary in December of last year to pass this new law and clarify it and say, no, he doesn't have the right? Well, apparently Donald Trump watches the show because here he is with Tucker Carlson Wednesday parroting my idiotic legal argument word for word. You're the president. He's VP. You're, uh, you say you're aligned on everything. I think he got very bad advice. I, I really do. Now, let me tell you what happened. I sat there with a few people. I think his lawyer was in the room, too. His lawyer was very much against it. There were other lawyers that felt you could do it. It was, it was one of those things. You probably, I think you could have done it. I think you can always do something if you see fraud or if you see problems. But it's very interesting. So after the election was over, the rhinos got together with the Democrats and they redid the election so you couldn't do it anymore. So then I called the people. I said, so in other words, you're saying I was right. You could do it. Yes, you could do it. In other words, they took the voting act and they redid it. So the vice president no longer has the power to do what I said he could do. So when that happened, I said, wow. So and, you know, you'd look some of these Democrats in the eye and they say he has absolutely no right to do it. And immediately after the election, they met rhinos, could name them all, and Democrats, and they approved legislation that takes away the right of the vice president to do it. So I said, ah, so you're saying I was right. The vice president did have the right to do it. And they said, yes, he did. Hmm. I should have been a bad lawyer. I really think I could have been 
a great bad lawyer, one of the best worst lawyers in New York City, right up there with Rudy Giuliani. But here's the reality, of course. Trump and his lawyers are probably going to make this argument, but it's wrong. Just because Congress felt the need to clarify the Electoral Count Act of 1887, that doesn't mean Trump could break could break it before they clarified it. And of course, the bigger issue, Trump was lying to Pence. He didn't have evidence of voter fraud. It is against the law to instruct an inferior to violate his oath and certainly to violate his oath based on a lie. Nice try, though. Nice try. I'm glad Donald Trump watches my show. Pretty good. Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff, who was indicted last week, has filed with the court to have his trial severed from the Fulton County trial and bumped up into a federal courtroom, insisting any crimes he may have committed were done while he was working for the federal government. An evidentiary hearing is scheduled for next Monday, but the judge, hearing his plea, refused to postpone his arrest. So here is Mark Meadows' mugshot. He was arrested Thursday morning. I, he's one of the, like he, I, I detest Mark Meadows. So this makes me tumescent. Jeffrey Clark, the low-level Justice Department official who Trump wanted to name acting attorney general because Clark was more than willing to spread lies about election fraud. He was the only person in the Justice Department willing to spread lies about election fraud. So Donald Trump in the waning days of his administration wanted to make Jeffrey Clark Harvard uh, acting attorney general. Harvard. Anyway, uh, he requested, too, that his trial in Georgia be severed and bumped up into a federal courtroom. But the judge hearing his plea also said the hearing is next Monday. So go get arrested. And Jeffrey Clark Harvard uh, went and got himself arrested. I don't have his mugshot. I do have a picture of him standing outside his home in June of last year in his underwear. And let's see. Yes, he wears boxers. That's Jeffrey Clark in his boxers. Let's go uh, full screen here. That's uh, Jeffrey Clark in his underwear as the Justice Department's inspector general serves a warrant to search his home for electronic evidence to determine the role he played in attempting to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Yeah, I don't have a mugshot. It hasn't come out yet. But you know what? I hate to disappoint my audience. So let's watch body cam footage from the Justice Department's pre-dawn search of his home as Jeffrey Clark stands outside in his underwear for all the neighbors to see the Harvard graduate standing outside in his underwear while the Justice Department searches his home. This is from June of 2022. Please enjoy. Hey, Mr. Clark. Yes. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Anya Whitney, I'm a special agent with DOJ OIG. You can just turn that off for me. Um, can you step outside with me? We've got a search warrant and we need to um, speak to you. Can I get you to step outside for me? 
Can I call my lawyer? Sure. Um, Come on outside. Yeah. Let's uh, let's step outside. And just real quick, we got to clear the house. Make sure it's safe. Is your wife home? Uh, no, nobody's home. Okay, okay. so no one is there. You can absolutely call your lawyer. We go ahead and step outside with you real quick. Okay. And then we'll put we'll you over here behind your car so no one will see yeah. you. Go ahead and step on out here. Come on this way. What? Can I put pants on first? Sir, we got to clear the house. We're going to clear the house. Yeah, sure as soon as we clear the house, we'll get you to talk to your lawyer and we'll get some pants on, okay? Can I open the sir. garage and stand in the garage? It's a search warrant. It's a search warrant. Just come on right over here. Please. Stand behind the cars and we'll see you. There's no reason. Ah, oh, that's that's so sad. To it's sad to see a Harvard grad. <laughs> nice legs. I'm gonna start calling Jeffrey Clark Legs Clark. That's beautiful, beautiful legs. That's Legs Clark from now on. <laughs> Jeffrey Clark. All right. Uh, also arrested on Thursday was Harvard Law School graduate Kenneth Cheesebro, author of some of the memos that attempted to provide a legal undergirding to the phony elector scheme. Cheesebro's memos also suggested that should Trump be able to whip his supporters up into a wild fever, the Supreme Court might be so inclined to postpone the January 6th certification. Here is uh, Kenneth Cheesebro's mugshot. As I mentioned Last week, Georgia law says a defendant is entitled to a speedy trial and that if any of the defendants so wish, according to the statutory timetable, this trial could begin as early as October 31st. Uh, If so requested, well, Kenneth Cheesebro apparently also watches this show because on Thursday, He requested an October start date, thinking it would catch Fonnie Willis unaware. Yeah, she took two and a half years to prepare this case. She's ready. And so she filed with the judge and said she is more than willing to accommodate Cheesebro's request. Her her motion was filed on Thursday, and it reads the state of Georgia through Fulton County District Attorney Attorney Fannie Willis respectfully requests that this court specially set the trial in this case to commence for all 19 defendants on October 23rd, 2023. So the statutory timetable says October 31st. But Fannie Willis said, oh, I'll be ready before that. Let's go on October 23rd. Kenneth Cheesebro, if you're ready. That is, by the way, five months earlier than the March court date she initially requested. She has asked that uh, the trial begin in March of 2024. So the question remains, will Kenneth Cheesebro's trial be severed from the 18 other indictments since Donald Trump, as we all know, is attempting to delay it until after the election? Scott Grubman, Grub man, one of Cheesebro's sluggish attorneys, said on Thursday that Mr. Cheesebro will be prepared to move forward with trial on whatever date the court ultimately sets. Trump's new attorney, Steve Sato, filed a motion on Thursday saying his client, that his client, Donald Trump, wishes to sever his case 
from Kenneth Cheesebros. Well, we'll see what happens by March. I have a feeling not everybody is going to go to trial. I think the way the RICO statutes are set up in Georgia, the co-conspirators uh, are often encouraged to flip after they've been indicted. It may just be one man standing trial, Donald J. Trump, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee, he's presiding over the case, will most probably schedule a conference among the attorneys for Cheesebro and Trump, as well as the district attorney's office, to decide whether the indictments will remain intact, severed, and will get an official start date for the trial uh, soon. Soon. Trevian Cootie, the former publicist for rapper Kanye West, was also arrested on Thursday and got her mugshot taken. Cootie was granted a $75,000 bond. She is being charged with violating the state's RICO Act, conspiracy to commit solicitation of false statements and writings and influencing witnesses. According to reporting, Cootie intimidated Fulton County election workers, Ruby Freeman and Andrea Shea Moss, and try to get them to change their stories and admit to stuffing ballots with Joe Biden's name on it. I recommend you listen to the last half hour of yesterday's show. Uh, I outline the venality of what Giuliani and Trump did to uh, Ruby Freeman and Wandrea Shea Moss, who are suing Rudy Giuliani for defamation. Uh, he was arrested on Wednesday, and here's his mugshot. On Thursday, Rudy Giuliani got back to New York and made the rounds of right-wing extremist talk shows. He appeared on Charlie Kirk's program. You know, he's from Turning Points, and he was on Steve Bannon's talk show. Giuliani said he did nothing wrong. He said, as an attorney, quote, I have a right to exaggerate on behalf of Donald Trump. I have a right to exaggerate. When did this become part of his defense? He always talked about his First Amendment right. Now he's introducing the word exaggerate. I have the right to exaggerate. Okay. Then Giuliani attacked Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis saying, quote, now remember, Fonnie Willis is black. This is what the virulent racist Rudy Giuliani said about Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis. Quote, for a lawyer to bring an indictment like that indicates, number one, you don't understand the law. And number two, you're not an American you're something else. Phony Willis is black. This is coded speech, okay? You're not an American. You're something else. This is what Donald Trump said about Obama. You're not an American. And something else implies, I don't even want to go where, that, where the implication lies there. You're not an American, you're something else. That's how Rudy Giuliani, the virulent racist Rudy Giuliani, uh, that's what he accused the black DA of not being an American. You're something else. But wait, 
it gets so much worse, so much worse. This is what he says about Fonnie Willis. This is what he's he's got a defamation lawsuit. He just had to pay ninety thousand dollars in legal fees, right, for uh, the defamation suit that uh, Ruby Freeman and, and Andrea Moss filed against him, the election workers. Okay. He just spews lies and defames people. This is another defamation lawsuit. If I were Fonnie Willis's father, I would file a multi-million dollar defamation lawsuit against uh, Rudy Giuliani. This is what he said. I don't have the tape. I'll find it for tomorrow. We'll get the exact wording. Maybe I'm misreading this, but... This is what he said about Fawny Willis's black father. He said Willis's father was a member of the Black Panthers, a police killer, police murderer, who are now the chief of the Black Lives Matter. Willis's father was a member of the Black Panthers, a police killer, police murderer, who are now the chief of the Black Lives Matter. That sounds, I mean, the syntax is a little screwed up, but that's a defamation suit. He called District Attorney Fonnie Willis's father a police killer, a police murderer. Uh, I don't know. Is it defamation or maybe Rudy's just exercising his right as an attorney to exaggerate on behalf of his client, Donald Trump? Then he launched into a diatribe against Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, and Barack Obama. Quote, now we know these people are heavily influenced by communism. We know Obama was trained by communists. Hillary was trained by communists. Donald Trump is more of a communist than Hillary and Obama. Donald Trump is more of a beneficiary from the big state than uh, Hillary and Obama. If only they were communists. The delusional Giuliani was asked what it was like being in the Fulton County Jail. And he said, I was in the bowels of the prison. Well, <laughs> it only seemed like the bowels, Rudy, because you were there wherever you are. If you're at the Mark Hotel, you're in the bowels of the presidential suite. Uh, first of all, you said it was the bowels of the prison. It's a jail, not a prison. And I would think a former U.S. attorney would know the difference between a jail and a prison. Then he lied, as he so often does, and said the inmates inside Fulton County Jail loved him. He said they treated him like a hero. He said, quote, they were yelling out rather familiar campaign slogans that go back to my campaigns for mayor. And they seemed pretty much supportive. Go get them, Rudy. We had Let's Go Brandon being yelled out. It was like a rally. Sure it was. Sure it was. I just don't know why he doesn't, uh, I don't know why he doesn't flip and just go to prison. It's safer for him there. 
Let's turn briefly to Wednesday's Republican debate. During the debate, Ron DeSantis was asked if he would support mandatory military service for Americans. And DeSantis said, quote, I think it should be voluntary. I'm someone that volunteered to serve, inspired by September 11, and I deployed to Iraq alongside U.S. Navy SEALs in places like Fallujah, Ramadi. Well, you were never in Fallujah or Ramadi. You were a JAG officer. You were tucked away safely inside the green zone, shuffling papers for a court-martial. You were a JAG officer. Lawyer Tristan Snell took to Twitter and said, quote, Ron DeSantis says he was a Navy SEAL. He was not. He was a lawyer in the Navy, and at one point he was assigned to provide legal support for a SEAL team commander. Stolen valor. Stolen valor. Former Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger, a combat veteran, took to Twitter and said that DeSantis was a member of the Judge Advocate General's Corps, otherwise known as JAG. Congressman Kinzinger goes on to write, nothing against JAGs, but quit trying to make people believe you were a Navy SEAL. JAGs go through two weeks of training versus other people. Well, how are we doing on time here? Oh, okay. Here is the current state of the GOP race. Uh, There's a poll that came out, uh, CBS Uh, YouGov had a really interesting poll, and it was taken right before the debate. And I'm going to assume that in a few days, we're going to see Vivek Ramaswamy on the rise, and we're going to see Ron DeSantis go down. Uh, Here's what I also think looking at these polls. So uh, Donald Trump has 62 percent of uh, likely GOP primary voters. Ron DeSantis has 16%. Ramaswamy has 7 Pence 5 Tim Scott, 3 Nikki Haley, 2%. Chris Christie, 2%. Burgum has 1%. And Asa Hutchinson has 1%. And I anticipated that Chris Christie was going to get a huge bump after Wednesday's debate. I also said that Ramaswamy would be the breakout star. I was half right. Uh, I was uh, I was correct that Ramaswamy would be the breakout star, but uh, a lot of people didn't like him. But he definitely a lot of people want to know who Ramaswamy is now. And Chris Christie, I fear I oversold him. I take back what I said last week. There were way too many candidates on that stage. And when Mike Pence, of all people, gets to do the most talking, you know, they time who speaks the most. Mike Pence got to do the most talking. That's not good for Christie. Christie is an attack dog, but without Trump, there's nobody really to go after. I still think Chris Christie is a force to be reckoned with, but you're not going to see him getting a bump in the polls off that debate just quite yet. This next uh, slide from the CBSU Gov poll also provides some insight into why Christie has more of an uphill battle than I thought. 
And, you know, just being the guy brave enough to attack Trump may not work in the Republican Party. So this says 91 percent of likely GOP primary voters who plan to vote. Right. They say they want the candidates to make the case for why they should be president. They're not interested in Trump. Only 9% of likely primary voters say they want the candidates to run against Trump. Tell, tell us what's wrong with Trump. In other words, and this is where I kind of miscalculated, uh, Republicans know who Donald Trump is, right? Warts and all those other warts. They're, they're basically saying, we know his flaws. We know he's a sociopath, a psychopath, and a criminal. But tell me about you as a candidate, okay? So I kind of uh, miscalculated, and so did Chris Christie. I think Chris Christie figured, hey, here's a novel idea. I'll stand out. I'll go into the debate, shake things up, and attack Trump. But... Uh, it looks like I was wrong and it looks like uh, it didn't work for him Wednesday night. It, and it's not going to work unless Trump is there. He may never be there. He may sit out all the debates. There's a there's a debate at the Ronald Reagan Library next month. And Trump, his lawyers are probably telling him, look, sit out the debates at least before Iowa. And if he sits out the debates before uh, Iowa... I don't think Chris Christie can last that long. So I I take responsibility for being wrong. And I think Chris Christie and I are guilty of one of the cardinal sins of politics, mismanaging expectations, especially before a debate. Before a debate, you're supposed to say, OK, I guess. I mean, I've never done this before. You're supposed to act like a virgin. How does this microphone work? I, I place my mouth where? Instead, before the debate, Chris Christie came in pounding his chest. I'm a U.S. attorney. I was Trump's debate coach in 2020. I'm going to kick his ass. That's not the right way to manage expectations. You can only disappoint. And I'm afraid Chris Christie disappointed. But who cares? It's Chris Christie. He's just as bad as Donald Trump, right? Here is what's fascinating about the hold that Donald Trump has over his voters. Uh, now, not Republican voters. This is the hold that he has over his voters. And as I just showed you in the previous slide, 60 Two percent of the GOP are Trump voters. OK, so he's got a hold over the GOP and this is the hold he has over his voters. Trump has 62 percent of Republican voters and all Republican uh, of the Trump voters. OK, which is 62 percent of the Republican Party. OK, Trump voters were asked, and remember, this is a ranked choice question. You have to pick your number one choice, then your number two choice. You go all the way down to, I think, your number four or five choice, okay? They were asked, 
Who do you trust the most to tell you the truth? Okay, these are Trump voters. Okay, this is 62 percent of the Republican Party. Okay, and this is ranked choice. This is how they filled it out. So we'll start at the bottom. 42 percent of Trump voters say they trust their religious leaders the most to tell them what is true. 56% of Trump voters say they depend on conservative news organizations and pundits to tell them what the truth is. 63% say they depend on their friends and family for the truth. Wow. Right there. Okay. They're, They're getting their truth, their news and their truth from friends and family. That is terrifying. You're not supposed to get your news from friends and family. You know what kind of news you get from friends and family? You get this kind of news. Hey, I I heard Bill Barr visited Jeffrey Epstein in his jail cell the night before he died. All my friends, all my cousins. Have you heard that Bill Barr visited Jeffrey Epstein in his jail cell the night before he died? Uh, Why don't you Google that? Why don't you go to Snopes? Bill Barr didn't visit Jeffrey Epstein, but that's the kind of truth you get from friends and family. And here is where it just gets just incredible. 71% of Trump voters said their number one source for the truth, their number one source for news is Donald Trump. He's got 62% of the Republican vote in his pocket. And of the 62%, of Republicans who uh, are going to vote for Donald Trump, 71% of them say their number one source for truth is Donald Trump. If Donald Trump says Joe Biden is a lizard, Biden's a lizard. And Trump knows this. It's why he lies with abandon. If Trump says, I wasn't arrested, the mugshot, fake. 62% of Republicans will believe him. That may not be, I may not have teased that out properly. Uh, So let me, 71% of Trump voters will believe him. Okay? And 62% of Republicans are voting for Trump. All right. Let's continue. Among... Likely Republican voters who say honesty is most important. Who are you most likely to vote for? Okay, this wasn't ranked choice. This is just, you know, they're breaking up a 100 percent pie here. Okay, among likely Republican voters who say honesty is most important, 61 percent by a mile say Trump say Trump. They think he is honest. Okay, then it's Ron DeSantis with 17 percent. What is that? Triple Trump triples DeSantis. Then Ramaswamy at six, Pence at five, Tim Scott at four percent. I get it. You know, Trump is a liar. He lies about himself. He lies about his opponents. But occasionally the truth does slip out. And when he tells the truth, it's powerful. He'll say the system is rigged. And that's the truth. 
What he conveniently leaves out is that the system is rigged in Donald Trump's favor. Okay, this morning we're talking about his mugshot, okay? As for all the criminal indictments, okay, likely Republican voters are unfazed, okay? This is just likely GOP primary voters. 77% of all likely Republican primary voters think these indictments, the four criminal trials, are politically motivated. They don't care. They don't care. Vivek Ramaswamy gets that. Ron DeSantis gets that. So especially Ron DeSantis and Ramaswamy, they, they know the only way to get the nomination is to outflank Trump, out-maga Trump. And they're scary. And that's why I think Trump has an advantage over those two, because you get a sense with Trump it's a con. He doesn't mean it. And that's somewhat reassuring. You, you get a sense that Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron DeSantis really mean what they're saying. There's something comfortable about Donald Trump. Uh, you go, oh, he doesn't really mean that. And he's going to, he'll probably fail. Unlike Ron DeSantis, if you look at what he's done to democracy and freedom in Florida, He's been very successful. So they ask people who are on the fence when it comes to Trump, what is the number one reason you would consider voting for Trump? And I'm going to stay with this for a while. It's very interesting. OK, these uh, they polled and this is ranked choice, you know, pick pick number one, pick number two, pick number three, pick number four. These are uh, among uh, like among voters who are uh, not sure if they're going to vote for Trump, they are asked, what is the number one reason you would consider voting for Donald Trump? OK, the number two reason, 95 percent say he fights for people like me. That is incredible. So if Trump is fighting for people like you, who are you? Do you think you're like him or do you think he's like you? I think they think he's like them. I think they watch the supposed billionaire on The Apprentice. They thought he breathed rarefied air and then they discover, hey, he's just like me. He's an idiot. He's angry, bigoted, can't keep a marriage together. He can't hold on to money. He's racist, homophobic. He's just like me. And then. It emboldens these stupid people because he's just like me. They think I'm like Donald Trump. He eats crap from McDonald's. He's addicted to Diet Coke because just like me, he doesn't realize that Diet Coke screws up your metabolism and makes you fatter. I like this guy. Anyway, so this is a ranked choice. OK, 99 percent of people who are thinking of voting for Trump said they're voting for him because they say things were better under Trump. How is that possible? How is that possible for people to think things were better under Trump? 
Now, I know there's a messaging problem with Democrats, and I know the Democrats are, I don't even want to get into the problems with the Democrats right now. Uh, but here's the big number. Here is the big number. Unemployment in July of this year, last month, unemployment, this is the most important number, is 3.5%. It is an all-time low. That's the big number in politics. Unemployment, when Joe Biden took office in January of 2021, was 6.3%. 6.3%. After four years, Trump lost more jobs than any president since Herbert Hoover in the Great Depression. And people say, well, you know, COVID was COVID. That's what did the economy in. Yeah, COVID. Exactly. He shit the bed. Trump shit the bed on COVID. But Trump will say and the Republicans will say it's not me. It was the Chinese. The Chinese gave us COVID. No, you were paralyzed, Trump. You couldn't mobilize the country and one million Americans died because of you. That's more per capita and more in sheer numbers than any country on Earth. OK, to be fair, he did fast track the vaccine, Operation Warp Speed. He deserves credit for the vaccine, but his supporters ended up being convinced not to get it. So before the debate... CBS YouGov asks uh, likely GOP primary voters, what is your number one concern? And they said 86 percent said their number one concern is inflation. So let's look at uh, the economy and inflation under Biden. Uh, and let's look at it under Trump. OK, and so we'll start with inflation. This is problematic for, for Joe Biden. OK, now, the first thing to keep in mind is that Jerome Powell, he's the head of the Federal Reserve. He was a Trump pick and Biden reappointed him. Jerome Powell specifically says that the fiscal stimulus we saw in the first year of Joe Biden's presidency and second year had nothing to do with inflation. OK, we did have bad inflation last year. But Jerome Powell said it had nothing to do with the the stimulus packages. It's also important to remember that Biden's earned income tax credit of three hundred dollars a month for each child lifted millions of kids out of poverty. And then in late 2022, it expired. Republicans killed it. And uh, so that was a that was pretty good. But the Republicans killed it two months after Joe Biden took office. He passed the American Rescue Plan. It was one point nine trillion, a two trillion dollar stimulus package. Unemployment benefits were increased to three hundred dollars a week, in addition to what you were already getting. Not bad. In defense of Donald Trump, 
with his stimulus package, the CARES Act, remember the CARES Act? That was passed in March of 2020, right after COVID hit. Trump and the Republicans and the Democrats passed the CARES Act, okay? Americans got an additional $600 a week in unemployment benefits until July 26 of 2020, okay? So with Biden, when he took office, he passes the American Rescue Plan. People on unemployment got an additional $300 a week from March of 2021 until September of 2021 when the CARES Act was passed under Donald Trump in March of 2020, Americans got an additional $600 a week in unemployment benefits until July 26, 2020. So it was a little better under, under Donald Trump. The real corruption when it came to Donald Trump's CARES Act, right? CARES Act was Trump's stimulus package, the American Rescue Plan was Joe Biden's stimulus package. The real crime uh, with the CARES Act was Donald Trump's Paycheck Protection Act. Uh, that was the lie that we were going to hand out billions of dollars to small businesses, give them these business loans that could be forgiven. Uh, we would give small business loans to millionaires and billionaires so they wouldn't fire their workers. That's why it was called the Paycheck Protection Act. Instead of giving the money directly to their workers as a paycheck, they said, no, let's give it to the millionaires and the billionaires to protect their businesses, and therefore the money will trickle down to, to the paychecks, into the paychecks of ordinary Americans. Sure they would. That's the real scandal of the CARES Act. We're just beginning to see what a massive transfer of wealth that was. They transferred wealth from the U.S. Treasury into the bank accounts of rich people. And you'd be shocked to see which of your favorite rappers and bands. I think Vampire Weekend got a uh, got uh, a small business loan through the CARES Act. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, a lot of... Uh, Rich Republicans got a small business loan through the Paycheck Protection Program and never had to pay it back. So I will say this. Trump deserves some credit. He does. The vaccine, uh, when COVID hit, uh, Republicans do deserve credit for responding to the crisis they created. Let's look at inflation. This is problematic. This is what the Republicans think they can run on. Okay. There's no question. Last year, inflation was bad. Not because of any fiscal stimulus, because of supply chain issues and greedflation. I discussed greedflation earlier this month. Okay. Inflation is caused by monopolies, consolidation. Companies have gotten bigger. They have less competition. And so on their earnings calls, they brag of pricing power. 
It's greedflation. Pricing power is greedflation. They can charge <clears throat> whatever they want because there's little to no competition. And I said last year, check the quarterly profits of these companies. Check their profits. If inflation, you can tell whether or not they're raising prices because of the cost of raw material or because they just want to double their profits. You can just check their quarterly earnings. And we discovered that because inflation was on everybody's mind, corporations felt they were free to just raise prices to double their profits. Right. So and that proves that the raw material and labor costs had nothing to do with rising prices a little. But if you look at the earnings reports on these companies, especially like snack food and junk food, they just raised their prices because they wanted to double their profits. It's called greedflation. So let's look. Uh Inflation in July of 2023 is 6.3, okay? It's come down considerably, considerably. When Donald Trump left office in January of 2021, inflation was 1.4%. So that's a problem for Joe Biden. However, unemployment in July of 2023 is 3.5%, right? Unemployment when Trump left office. Uh, did I get that wrong? What is this? That's no, I got that wrong. Hang on. It was 6.3%. Okay. Un uh, unemployment was 6.3%. So they always say there's a trade-off between you know, inflation and unemployment, and you try to find the right mix. And the left is supposed to be okay with inflation being a little higher if unemployment is down. But that's for another show. Biden has something to run on, but the Republicans, they can make numbers sing and and lie about inflation. Inflation is coming down. Okay, let's look. These, the this is from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Let's look at inflation for July of 2023. 3.2 percent in July for all items. This is bad for Republicans because they keep talking about pain at the pump. Well, energy prices are down 12.5 percent over last year. The price of gas is down close to 20 percent over last year. And the price of natural gas is down uh, close to 14 percent. Right. During the debate, all you heard about was pain at the pump, how expensive Gases, drill, baby, drill. Well, no, the, the price, it's costs less now to fill up your car than it did a year ago. So, again, inflation is higher. It's at 3.2 percent. It's higher than than it was when Trump left office, but not as high on certain items as the Republicans want you to believe. Let's look at some other statistics from the U.S. Bureau of Labor. 
This is bad. Rent is up 7.7%. Very bad. Biden tried to extend the eviction moratorium, but the Supreme Court overruled it. Rent is up 7.7%. The only way to bring the price of rent down is to build more affordable housing. Uh, food is up close to 5%. Medical care is down 1.5%. I didn't know that. Okay, let's talk about crime, okay? Because violent crime, this is what the Republicans just can't wait to talk about, how they're strong on crime and Democrats are weak on crime. Well, let's look at crime, okay? The homicide rate spiked in 2020. It started to go up a little during Obama's last year in office, and then it spiked uh, when Donald Trump his last year in office, the violent crime rate uh, leveled off and then went up a little when uh, as Trump was leaving office. So there's a big lie about crime and murder in America. We're at a secular low. I mean, if you look at violent crime from 1985 all the way till about 2016, it's been heading down and then it bumps up a little uh, when Trump takes office. But the secular trend, violent crime and murder is down in the United States. But Republicans have to run on scaring the crap out of you. They have to convince you that crime is always bad. It's not. And the murder rate is coming down, right? These are some of the latest headlines Houston seeing decrease in murders, most, most other violent crimes so far in 2023. Survey of 30 U.S. cities shows nearly 10% drop in homicides in 2023. Most violent crime is declining in the U.S. after COVID-19 surge, while car thefts are soaring. The murder rate is suddenly falling the first five months of 2023 have produced an encouraging overall trend for the first time in years. Those are headlines from the New York Times, USA Today, Atlantic Magazine, and the Houston Tribune. Okay? Donald Trump loves attacking District Attorney Fawny Willis. He says he lies. You know, she took office in, I think, January 1st, 2021. He says she's been a disaster. And when she took office, violent crime in Fulton County in Atlanta is skyrocketing because this is the, the charge against all these district attorneys who got elected uh, because of Black Lives Matter. In 2020, there were a lot of uh, more liberal uh, district attorneys and prosecutors who were elected promising you know, we're not going to lock up nonviolent criminals. We're going to work more with social workers, try to keep the jails a little emptier since our jails are a crime. So let's look at what the truth is about 
the crime rates. This is from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which has been doing a great job. Everybody should subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They're doing a great job covering the trial in Fulton County. Total violent crimes in 2021, 4,583. 2022, 4,189, down 9%. Overall total violent crime, down 9%. Okay? So it's just a lie. There isn't this epidemic of violence and murder in America. Okay? What's next? Illegal immigration. Okay. This... I care very deeply about. It's what Ron DeSantis is running on. I'm going to play you a clip of Ron DeSantis acting like a man, and I'm going to show you how dangerous Ron DeSantis is. Here he is talking about, if I become president, I'm going to give my Border Patrol agents permission to shoot to kill anyone who's carrying fentanyl. Okay, this is what Ron DeSantis says. He says we have to stop the migrants at the border because they're smuggling fentanyl into the country. Look at Ron DeSantis's mic drop from a week ago, and then we'll talk about this. So we are going to authorize the use of deadly force against the cartels. If you have somebody coming in with the fentanyl on their in the backpack, they even break through the border wall where there is wall. Uh, if they're doing that, uh, that's the last thing they, they're going to be able to do because we're going to leave them stone cold dead at the border. We're not putting up with it anymore. You know, that kind of demagogic rhetoric gets people killed. Okay. Ron DeSantis says, If you're a migrant coming over the border and we think there's fentanyl in your backpack, you're going to be stone cold dead. I'm going to authorize the federal government to shoot you. Okay, I'm going to play that again. And then you're going to see just how evil Republicans are. But you got to watch this again. It's it's just so horrible. You got to watch it again. So we are going to authorize the use of deadly force against the cartels. If you have somebody coming in with the fentanyl on their in the backpack, they even break through the border wall where there is wall. Uh, if they're doing that, uh, that's the last thing they, they're going to be able to do because we're going to leave them stone cold dead at the border. We're not putting up with it anymore. Tough talk. Tough talk from a JAG officer who uh, got a paper cut shuffling papers in the green zone. Tough talk from a JAG officer. He's a liar about fentanyl, and this is going to get migrants killed. The uh, Cato Institute is a libertarian right-wing think tank. They are funded by the oil companies. They are anything but liberal, left, or Democrat. Headline... From the Cato Institute. This is from September 14th, 2022. Fentanyl is smuggled for U.S. citizens by U.S. citizens, not asylum seekers. From the Cato Institute. 
just 0.02% of the people arrested by Border Patrol for crossing illegally possessed any fentanyl whatsoever. This is why Ron DeSantis is evil. This is from the Cato Institute. Okay? This is not for, from the Center of Amer for American Progress. This is the Cato Institute. The Koch brothers, you know, they pay for the Cato Institute. Okay? I'm going to go big here from the Cato Institute. Let's read. Here are the facts. From the Cato Institute, fentanyl smuggling is ultimately funded by U.S. consumers who pay for illicit opiates, nearly 99% of whom are U.S. citizens. In 2021, U.S. citizens were 86.3% of convicted fentanyl drug traffickers, 10 times greater than convictions of illegal immigrants for the same offense. Over 90% of fentanyl seizures occur at legal crossing points or interior vehicle checkpoints, not on illegal migration routes. So U.S. citizens who are subject to less scrutiny when crossing legally are the best smugglers from the Cato Institute. U.S. citizens are fentanyl traffickers. Fentanyl is primarily trafficked by U.S. citizens. The U.S. Sentencing Commission publishes data on all federal convictions, which includes demographic information on individuals convicted of fentanyl trafficking. Uh, figure one shows the citizenship sta status of fentanyl traffickers for 2018 and 2021 every year. U.S. citizens receive the most convictions by far. In 2021, U.S. citizens accounted for 86.3% of fentanyl trafficking convictions compared to just 8.9% for illegal immigrants. So you got these crackpots at the border with their AR-15s, and they're getting this message from the very dangerous Ron DeSantis. So we are going to authorize the use of deadly force against the cartels. If you have somebody coming in with the fentanyl on their in the backpack, they even break through the border wall where there is wall. Uh, if they're doing that, uh, that's the last thing they, they're going to be able to do because we're going to leave them stone cold dead at the border. We're not putting up with it anymore. Navy SEAL, Ron DeSantis. I'm going to leave with this video from a ring security system down in Florida. And I want to get a ring security camera. I want to get one of these. But I don't want to see what's outside my door. You know, they, they should have like a Netflix where you get to dial into other people's ring security systems. Uh, I don't need to see what's outside my apartment door. It's just guys dropping dropping menus for Chinese restaurants. I want to see what's outside the door of, say, you know, Charlie Sheen's home. Uh, it's probably Charlie, you know, passed out in the bushes. Anyway, this is a ring security video from Florida. OK, this is uh, from Florida. Look at this. This is a, a crocodile, an alligator right outside the door, waiting to eat the guy who's who's saying, 
Okay, honey, I'm going to take out the garbage. I'll be right back. No, you're not. No, you're not. That's Florida. That is Florida. Who would live in a state that keeps building, keeps invading the natural habitats of alligators or crocodiles, whatever that was? Well, who are these people? These are the people who elected him, Ron DeSantis. Who you vote for matters. And where you come from and who gets elected matters. Uh, the people who live with alligators waiting right outside their door uh, voted for Ron DeSantis. Who votes for you matters. These are the people who voted for Ron DeSantis. People who are perfectly okay to tell grandma to go out on the lawn and play with the grandkids and get eaten by an alligator. If they're okay with grandma and the kids getting eaten by an alligator, of course they're going to vote for Ron DeSantis. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak.